So it was 20 years ago, about this month, probably very close to this time of year. And this gospel turned my life upside down, um, or at least that's probably the nice way of saying it. Felt more like a punch in the face, actually. Um, I haven't been able to see the same way ever since. Basically, I was an 18-year-old studying science in Western Australia, um, comfortable middle-class family, just living the dream like most of the young people my age. Over the space of a few months, God had started to be kind of breaking in to my life. You know, I'd always gone to church, I'd been part of a youth group, but it was, it was just kind of more about what you did, you know? The youth group was more about your friends. But for the first time, something was challenging me, and God started to seem a bit real. And so I'd started praying, I'd started reading the Bible again, and this gospel just was chasing me. Everywhere I'd go, I'd hear it. Every time I'd go to church, it'd be being read. I'd, I'd open the Bible every time, and it would open to this. And it was tormenting me. And basically changing my whole understanding of life. I remember it was around this time of year, sitting in a car with a friend of mine, we're driving around Perth late at one night, this is one of my best friends. You know, he knew everything about me, all my dreams and plans in life. And we're talking about study and where we're going to go and stuff. And I, I kind of said to him, look, I think I'm going in a different direction. I don't quite know what's going on. And he sort of looked at me a bit shocked and like, well, what's, what's happening? And to the best of my ability, I just said, look, there's this gospel that's chasing me. I can't understand it. But... And it's this one we've just heard. I'm saying, look, I, I'm just realising I'm the rich man. And Lazarus is sitting at the gate, and he's been sitting at the gate all my life, and I haven't seen him. I've been blind to him. And I don't know what I'm meant to do, but I feel like God's just saying, you've just got to go outside and sit with him. I don't know what to do once I get there. He didn't know how to answer. He just kind of shrugged his shoulders and kept driving, but... Basically, that's been my life ever since for the last 20 years. Like, I basically felt God just saying, look, just go and sit with Lazarus. I still don't know what to do when I get there. I don't know how to help him. But I don't think that's the point. Yeah, so this is probably one of the most important Gospels for me in my life. That the whole sin of this rich man was his blindness. It wasn't that he had money. It was that he was blind. That every day he walked out his gate or he probably had horses or chariots or whatever it was. And he just couldn't see the man, couldn't see the people there. And that was his sin. The money wasn't the problem. In, in fact, the, God had given him the money for the purpose of helping these people. But he chose to be blind. And I could see for myself that that was my sin. You know, I, I lived in this nice little bubble. My nice friends, my nice church, my nice youth group. And I never had to see any of the ugliness outside of that. But here was God pushing me. And, and really pushing me. You know, so from that point, I, I, I left my uni degree. I stopped doing science. I started studying youth work. Basically because I wanted to meet people in need. You know, I wanted to get out there and see the real world. You know, and very quickly working with young people who'd attempted suicide. I remember one young guy who had lost both of his legs amputated after trying to jump onto some train lines. 
um, you know, actually seeing that this is the world and it's ugly. This is the stuff we don't want to see. You know, we, we spend a lot of our energy not looking at it or, or looking at it as though it's some horrible fairy tale that we just want to go, oh, isn't that sad? You know, but to actually look at it as something real that we're called to go and sit in, to sit in the mess. Now, Jesus spends so much of his time in the Gospels trying to wake us up out of this sleep that we're caught up in. And he does this a lot by talking about death. No one likes talking about death. We hate homilies about death. You know, we like homilies about butterflies and rainbows and happy stuff. But the whole point is that Jesus spends a lot of the gospel trying to wake us up. And nothing wakes us up more than death. You know, you see this all the time. Or maybe I see a lot of it being a priest. But you spend enough time around hospitals and you realise that death has an ability to wake people up in the most horrible way. You know, when someone finds out that they've got six months to live or that a family member is dying, it's like being hit by a train. You know, so many times I've sat with people in hospitals and they suddenly realise that everything they've held dear is just rubbish. Everything they've spent their whole life trying to build and gather and gain and succeed in, suddenly once that news is given to you, it means nothing. And you have people walk out of a hospital having been given that news of a deadline, literally a deadline. And they realise what's now important. It, it's suddenly this moment of waking up where people who have been successful in business just walk away from their job and they just think, well, it's about love. It's about relationship. You know, people who have spent all their time gathering and trying to build and get the nice house or the nice career or the nice reputation... They're happy to just walk away from all of it because they realise now what's important. And really, this is what Jesus is trying to do. That in, in so many of these parables or these stories that Jesus tells, he's trying to wake us up. He's trying to say, there is this deadline. There is a day when there will not be another day. And, and live in the knowledge of that. Live in the knowledge of that and realise what's actually important. That so much of the stuff we spend our energy on is rubbish. It really is. You know, we, we live in a world that's absolutely obsessed with happiness. And, and happiness to the point where it's actually an unhealthy obsession because it's all about us. You know, spend enough time watching TV or on the internet and everything is about you. Is your life not happy? Then you need something new. Get a new phone, a new car, a new wife, a new husband, a new house, a new dog. You know, get something new because you need to be happy. And it's almost this, this really atheistic understanding of life that you've only got a certain number of days left and you've got to enjoy every one of them before you get eaten by worms under the, under the ground. You know, people are, are living with this constant thing of, you know, I'm running out of time, I'm not happy enough. I've got to do more, I've got to build more. And we end up burning, burning people for the sake of that. You know, people burn their families, they burn relationships. The most important things get burnt for the sake of building this moment of joy. Jesus is trying to say to us, you're eternal. You're not going to die. You know, this is the great Christian proclamation that death is not fatal. 
We need to tell each other this more often. Death is not fatal. That's the whole message of Christianity, of the resurrection, that you are not going to miss out. And so you can spend your life, you can throw your life away gladly. And you can, in the process, you can discover what true joy actually is. That joy is not to be found in things. You know, in more cups of coffee sitting by the sunset. It's not going to be found in a nicer house or, you know, whatever it is. You know, these, these things that are so obsessed on us, on me, my bubble, my nice comfort. We start to discover that true happiness comes from love. From pouring ourselves out. From giving ourselves. From just being with people in their pain. There is a joy there that nothing else can give you. You know, just just from my own experience, you know, from the moment this scripture started chasing me 20 years ago, I think that's the lesson I've learnt. You know, as I said, I've, I've had many beautiful chances to sit with Lazarus over the years. I haven't been able to help him. I haven't been able to fix him. But I've discovered joy by sitting there with him. And I think that's, that's the heart of the, the gospel, the heart of what Jesus is trying to reveal to us, that it's just love. You know, it's those moments when you can just sit with someone and just connect in the pain, in the suffering, in the ugliness. That's, what, that's where you discover what it is to be human. This is what Jesus is trying to call us to. And it's, it's a human encounter. I think one of the dangers when we hear these sort of scriptures is that we think, oh, Jesus is saying to help the poor. Let's throw money at the problem. You know, there's, there's people suffering. There are people who are hungry. Let's just throw money at the problem. He's not saying that. He's saying go out and sit with them. Because sometimes even in the act of throwing money to help people, we're completely missing the point. Like, it's good to do that. Don't don't get me wrong. But it doesn't actually change our hearts. You know, one of the early church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, when he preached on this reading, it was a very long preaching, much longer than I'm going to go tonight. His his preaching would have gone for at least an hour on on this scripture. But he talks about the fact that in simply giving charity... There is a danger that even there we can fall into the temptation of power. You kind of see it here, even in this scripture, where the rich man goes to hell or into Hades, and even there he's trying to use Lazarus as his servant. Saying, Father Abraham, get him to just dip his finger in water and come and cool my tongue. Because I'm the rich guy and he's the poor guy. He should serve me. And John Chrysostom was trying to say that even when we give charity, sometimes it's like I'll give you money, but you've got to get this and you've got to do this and you've got to get your life together. It's always conditional. You know, there's always this power attached to it. And John Chrysostom was saying the same thing. Get out there and actually just sit with them. Be on the same level as them. Be human with them. Don't put yourself above them or below them or wherever. Like, so often when we have images of of charity, it's like this hand reaching down to lift someone up. But that's not charity. You know, that's someone in a position of power trying to help the weak person. Real love 
is when you're on the same level. Real love is when you sit in the dirt side by side with them and you realise that you're just as broken as they are. That's where Jesus is calling us to be. Yeah, as, a, as a church, this is where we've got to go to. But the first thing is that we've got to open our eyes. Because you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, this is great, but I don't see any poor people. They're everywhere. They're sitting next to you. They're sitting in front of you. If you have the eyes to see them, they're there. And, and this is the thing. You might be like, hang on, my husband or my wife sitting next to me. They're not so poor. <laughs> but actually look deep into the heart. You know, because every single human person is crying out for help. You know, it's not just a, a poverty of money or food. In our culture, it's love. You know, we've got this epidemic of mental illness, of people crying out to be listened to. That's how you sit with the poor. Just sit there and listen to them. Ask them how they're going. Instead of just getting on with your business, stop and actually look in their eyes and think, hang on, you don't look so well. Yeah, you're saying you're good, but I don't think you're really that good. You know, try to actually engage. And, as I said, actually meet them on the same level. You know, instead of trying to just fix people, what we really need is to just sit there with them as human beings. That's where I think the answer to so many of our society's problems is going to come from. You know, the stuff that our society does, you know, when you look at what our government does with welfare and, and social work and help, there's some amazing things, and yet you ask anyone in the industry and they're saying it barely scratches the surface. Because you can have programs, you can have systems, but what you need is people. What you need is people who can actually sit there and love them. This is why Jesus says that the harvest is rich, but the labourers are few. There are so many people in this world crying out for help, and we need to be the ones there. Yeah, this is where you, as, as lay people, need to be out there looking for the poor person. You know, when you go to work this week, look around your office and say, where, where is he? Where is Lazarus? When you go home tonight to your family, look around all your family members and think, well, where is Lazarus? We need to go into the world actively looking for him, trying to find him. And then when we find him, just sit there with him and love him. God will do the rest. God will give you the words to speak. He'll give you the promptings of what to do or what to say. You just have to open your eyes to it. So I want to challenge you tonight to pray that God would open your eyes. It's a dangerous thing because your life will never be the same again. It's a, it's a torturous thing. You know, I, but back in June, I had a chance to go to the Philippines for two weeks to, to our mission over there. Our brothers have a mission in a very poor part of Manila. A lot, a lot of our parishioners are in squatter areas. Um, we've got a big ministry also to the, one of the big rubbish tips where people live on the rubbish tip. I spent two weeks walking around tormented with this battle inside of me saying, I could have a nice two weeks hanging out with the brothers, enjoying this like a tourist, or I could open my eyes and be depressed and because I'd actually see just the, the enormity of what is there. I opened my eyes and when I came back I spent two weeks depressed because I'm like, there's so much and I can't get to it. I can't do it. All I can do is pray. 
but sometimes that's all, all you can do. You know, sometimes you're going to walk through the city and see people and think, I can't get to you. I don't even know you. I can't break into your life, but I can pray for you. you know, it's as simple as that. To open your eyes at every moment. When you're driving in traffic, look at the person stuck in the car next to you. If they don't look happy, pray for them. You know, when you're walking down the street, pray for the person who's looking empty and depressed. Allow your eyes to be opened and allow this to take over the whole of your life, every moment. There you'll discover what love is and you'll discover what joy is.